Good evening. It's good to be with you tonight. It's nice to know that there's eight other groups kind of like us meeting somewhere. I don't know if they had this many. I doubt it, but, uh, but it's great that we've got, we've got out in the community and seeing everyone. It's good to see you here. We're going to have a little abbreviated service tonight, just a short devotional. And uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about mentors. Probably the best mentor that we can think about is Jesus Christ. You know, we just heard about how he lived his life, what he did. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that he uh, went about doing good. Went about doing good. You know, if we just take that as our motive, that the way we should live our lives, and once we become Christians, is to go about doing good, we're going to go a long way. You may have a mentor in your life that you think about when you, when you think of mentors. It may have been a teacher. may have been a coach. may have been maybe a parent a friend or a church member. We all have someone that we look up to. And, and tonight I'd like to talk just about a few from the scriptures. They kind of stand out to me and uh, just share those with you. First of all, a gentleman named Paul. You know, Paul, who was uh, Saul before he was Paul, was a great mentor of preachers. He wanted to teach other people how to preach. He wrote letters in the New Testament, wrote probably half of the New Testament, about 13 or 14 books, depending on how you... Uh, how you count them, if you count Hebrews or not. But he was a man who wanted to know that there were going to be preachers when he was gone. He wasn't just interested about preaching the gospel when he was here. He wanted to make sure that there would be preachers when he was gone. Titus and Timothy were two of those men. And what he told uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he said, And the things that you have heard from me, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. His goal was to keep the gospel moving. And you're here most likely because someone preached to you. You're here because uh, someone preached down through the ages about the truth, and uh, that's, that's a great thing. So really what Paul had done there was, was admirable. He did exactly what he wanted to do. He kept the gospel moving. We need to think about that. We need to train up gospel preachers that can, that can teach the word. Uh, I work with a bunch from Bear Valley. Our mission group works with a bunch from Bear Valley. We support a group in Myanmar that, that has about 12 gospel preachers studying there. Someday they'll be out preaching the gospel, not here, but in Myanmar. Myanmar is the old Burma. So uh, we need to keep doing that. We need to be like Paul in that sense. We need to be mentors for those people that want to preach the gospel. Another gentleman that I think is a great mentor is found in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. Uh, let me get my Bible over there. I don't know about you, but I don't think I could make this statement. I don't think I could say what Moses said here. Moses was a great mentor for the children of Israel. You know, he was uh, 80 years old when the Lord came and got him and said, it's time for you to take my children out of Israel. And uh, that's pretty ripe old age, isn't it, to be, to be doing that kind of work. But he, he, took his, uh, he took his job seriously. And when he was about 120, right before his death, he was giving some last-minute instructions to the children of Israel. And Deuteronomy is some of that summary of his life and some of this summary of what the children of Israel went through. But this is what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. He said, he said that God said, I will raise up for, for them a prophet like you, like Moses, from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. We know that he's talking about Jesus Christ here, and when you think about that, that's a pretty good uh, compliment for Moses, don't you think? I'm going to raise up a prophet like you right out from among them, and that was Jesus Christ. Moses was a man who was a, was a great mentor. You know, the children of Israel, when they were going into the land of Canaan, or just about to go into the land of Canaan, they were on the west side of the Jordan, and they were uh, 
waiting to cross the river. Moses was not going to get to go, of course, but they were getting ready to cross. And, and some of the children of Israel, three of the tribes said, listen, you know, this, this ground on this side of the Jordan is really good pasture ground. This would be a great place for us to, to raise our cattle and raise our families and our sheep. We just want to stay on this side of the Jordan. Well, Moses, he kind of understood that, but he was pretty strict with them on what he said. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 32, verses 20 through 23, it tells us what Moses said to them. Moses said, then Moses said to them, if you do this thing, if you arm yourselves before the Lord for war, and all your trained men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel. And this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sins will find you out. Moses gave them a task to do. He said, I want you to do this for me. He said, I want you to settle your families down right here. He said, everybody strap on their sword and get ready. And you kind of lead the children of Israel into the battle when we cross over the Jordan. He gave them a task to do. He told them exactly what they needed to do to be pleasing to God. Another place where Moses spoke, kind of spoke his mind is also in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. He's kind of giving the children of Israel the last-minute instructions before he, before he departs. He knows that Joshua is going to be the new leader, I believe, at this time. And he knows that he wants uh, God's people to be thinking about God. You know, uh, Spencer talked about this morning about submitting to God. And he also talked about uh, how that... Uh, Joshua said, you know, choose this day whom you will serve. Well, Moses kind of said the same thing here before that in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm, yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And I'm going to read this. It's kind of a long reading, but it's a good reading. And if you would, read along with me or just listen. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his, and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. God wanted them, Moses wanted them to remember what God had taught them, all the commandments of God. He wanted them to know what he had said to them, and he wanted them to remember. And some of those things were saying, put it on your doorpost. Put it, put it where you're going to see it. Read it, study it. And you know the children of Israel, for a while they were there. But we know in times, just like we sometimes do, we drift away from him. And, and they did just that. But, grow, but Moses was always a great mentor all the days of his life. We, when we think about Moses, you know, he's one of those patriarchs that we really admire, one of those people that we really admire because he did what God asked him to do. He made some mistakes in his life, just like we'll make mistakes in our life, but Moses was a man who strove to do, strived to do what God would have him to do. Another one that I'd like to talk to you tonight about is a, a, a 
king named Joash. Joash was one of the kings of the divided kingdom after the, the kingdom was taken from Solomon and torn in half and Judah received just one or two tribes and, and Israel received the other tribes. Joash was one of those kings. And Queen Athaliah was the queen before he was king. She had destroyed all the heirs. She killed all the royal heirs so she could be queen. Kind of a terrible story of God's people. But she killed all of them, but she couldn't find Joash. So Joash was hid for about six years, and later he was brought to light, and he was crowned king. And Athaliah was, uh, was killed because of that. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verses 1 and 2. This is the way Joash ruled his kingdom. Seven years old now, think about that. He was ruling the kingdom when he was seven years old, so he needed mentors, didn't he? He needed someone that would step up and do what he would what they should do. This is exactly what happened to him. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada, the priest. He had a man named Jehoiada that was the priest, and all the days of Jehoiada, he did exactly what was right because he got some very good instructions, I believe, from that priest. That priest told him how to live his life, how to, how to do some certain things, and, and how to be the man that he needed to be as king. Seven years old, he needed a lot of advice, didn't he? He needed a great mentor. The Bible tells us in verse 15 of that same chapter, 24, but Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died. He was 130 years old when he died. King... Uh, pr uh, priest Jehoiada died, and when he did, Joash didn't have that leadership that he needed, didn't have that mentor. And he hadn't learned from him, I don't think. He hadn't learned the things he needed to learn from uh, Jehoiada. He, uh, he allowed himself to be drawn away by people, people that worshiped idols. And the Bible says that later on, and this is kind of a twist uh, to the story, he killed Jehoiada's son. The Bible says in verse 20, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Zechariah, the son of Je Jehoiada, the priest who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, why do you transgress against the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he also has forsaken you. So they conspired against uh, Zechariah, and at the time of the commandment of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Then Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada the father had done to him. He killed his son. He killed Zechariah, his son. It's kind of a shame that the man that had mentored him and kind of taught him the way he should live his life and the way he should rule his kingdom ended up killing his son when his, when his son, Zechariah, brought it to his attention that you're not living your life the way you need to. You're not doing what you should do. Jehoiada was a great mentor, I believe, and he was one that, that I think God was proud of. I think that's maybe why he got to live such a long life. Another mentor, you know, we talked about Jesus being our mentor, but I want you to think of yourself as a mentor. Somebody's looking at you right now. Somebody's looking at you and the way you live your life, and the way you live your life may be the difference in them being here in church, doing what God would have them to do, or not coming at all. The Bible says uh, in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, you should love the, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what Jesus said the most important commandment was. So that's something we should do. If we want to be good mentors, we need to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, the second is like unto it, you should love your neighbor as yourself. Are you doing these two things? Are you striving to do these two things to be an example to those around you that someone would say, that's my mentor. I want to be like him. I want to live like he lives. You know, we talked about submitting to God this morning. Submission is something that's required if we want to be pleasing to him. We've got to be willing to submit 
We've got to be willing to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We've got to be willing to be baptized into Christ for the mission of our sins. Repent of our sins, change our lives, and be the men and the women that God would have us to be. We can't do that without submission. We can't do that without bowing down to God and saying, you know, I'm going to do it your way. I'm not going to try it do my way. We need to be willing to obey the gospel. Don't be uncomfortable with doing that. You know, uh, that's been through the ages from the very first time when Peter preached that gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost. And you go through all those different conversions in Acts. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, the Ethiopian eunuch when it says that Philip wanted to preach to him so bad, the Bible says that he ran to meet him. He ran to the chariot, didn't he? He ran up there to meet that, that eunuch. And the Bible says that he was reading in Isaiah, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And this is paraphrased a little bit. Do you understand what you're reading? He said, well, how can I unless someone teach me? And the Bible says that Philip crawled up in that chariot, and he preached from him. He just says one word. He preached to him Jesus. He just preached to him Jesus. And when he preached Jesus Christ to him somewhere down the road, the eunuch said, why can't I be baptized? And, uh, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And, they, and he uh, at that point, they stopped the uh, chariot, both went down in the water, and, and uh, Philip baptized that eunuch. A great example of a conversion. We are converted the same way today. We become Christians the same way. The pattern hadn't changed. The pattern's always the same. If we want to be a Christian, we've got to be submissive to God and be obedient to the gospel. And last of all, I think this is something that we as members of the church sometimes have struggles with, is that's trusting God. You know, God knows that we're going to struggle. He knows we're going to have issues in our life, and we're not always going to live the way even we want to. We're going to make mistakes, aren't we? We need to trust God and know that he's got our backs, that he's, he's there for us. And then if we're willing to repent of our sins again after we've been baptized, if we walk in the light as he is in light, the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1, if we're willing to walk and strive to live the life right, his blood is there to cleanse us from our sins. We don't have to worry about being lost. When we make a mistake, we don't have to worry about living from day to day. God is with us, and God cares for us. He cares for you. He wants you to be in his kingdom. He wants you to feel comfortable that you're in his kingdom and that you're saved and that you're part of his, his group. You don't have to worry about every day that I live my life good enough for God. You just strive to do what's right, and God's blood and God's grace will take care of you. There may be someone here tonight that's never been baptized. We've got a, a, a group here, and I see some faces I don't necessarily recognize, and, and we're glad you're with us. Most of our church is worshiping somewhere else tonight, if uh, this concerns you. I know when I was in uh, Washington, D.C. about 30 years ago, Denise and I went to a church, and we didn't get there for class. We were kind of running late. We were in a taxi trying to find the place. We drove on this building probably twice as big as this building right here. And we walked in, and there were about 25 people sitting on the back two seats, and a guy with a microphone just like this right beside him. And I thought, man, what a waste. This huge, beautiful building and, you know, plenty of room for Christians to worship, and there's no one here. You know, people, someone got discouraged, didn't they? Someone got discouraged and quit coming, and then another, and then another, and before you knew it, the place was empty. And I thought tonight that's the way our church might look. It kind of scares me to see just such a few people here. This morning we were brimming full, wasn't we? We had people everywhere. If you're not a Christian tonight, you can be one. You can be baptized into Christ and have your sins washed away, and we would love to do that. If you are a Christian and you've kind of fallen away, you've let the cares of this world just wrap you up, God is always willing to take you back, and he's willing to give you that grace that you look for. He's willing to help you any way he can. We would love to assist you if you need the prayers of the church or you need to be baptized. We would invite you to come while we sing.